This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And joining me from the band New England, it is Hirsch Gardner, of course. The band opened up for Kiss on their 1979 Dynasty tour in Hirsch did record with Vinnie Vincent. So we he, we hear a lot of those stories and uh, you're also going to hear, I think, my continued battles with Mac OS Catalina. I know that Mac OS Catalina has nothing to do with uh, rock, but I'm telling you, this was the first interview I recorded after my update. And I haven't decided if I'm going to edit everything out that 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 went wrong but there's a part um this interview is in three parts and the reason it was in three parts is because the software uh, after the update kept crashing and uh anyway well we'll see this at the end of the first part you'll if i decide to leave it in and maybe i will uh for some reason everything started echoing and uh it went on for about uh, you know six seven seconds and then i said f it Hirsch, I got to call you back. But uh, if, as you're listening to this, at the end of the first part, which is about 20-some minutes in, and you hear some echoing, that is me leaving it in on purpose so you can hear the annoyances that I had to deal with after I updated. But anyway, uh, that said, I did see the Kiss Dynasty tour in 1979 at the Montreal Forum, August 6th to be precise. This year, August 16th, 2019, I went to see a Kiss End of the Road in Montreal. For those of you that follow me on Twitter and, and Facebook and all that, you know the story. She took me to my first show 40 years ago. I took her to what is probably her last show, not because she's dying or anything, but just because I don't think at 79 she's going to be running out to see Metallica next week. Uh, so it sort of completed the circle, but of course... The first band I saw, you go, oh, I saw Kiss first. Well, yes, but no, I actually saw New England first. The first band I ever saw perform live was New England. And so it was a great pleasure to talk to uh, to Hirsch. They've got some shows coming up at the end of the month here in October. Uh, A new box set, five CDs coming out in November. All of that is detailed in the interview. And so let's just get right over to it. Here is the one, the only, Hirsch Gardner. We are speaking with uh, Hirsch Gardner of the band New England. Of course, uh, many of you remember them opening up for Kiss on the Dynasty Tour in 1979. That was my first show, August 6, 1979, at the Montreal Forum. And therefore, Hirsch, bonjour, as we say, you were the first band I ever saw in concert. So congratulations, you won. Right. That's amazing. That is truly amazing. That that's a that was it was a great time to be in a rock and roll band, man. I can't. I, I got to tell you. Yeah, it, it really was. And you know, listen, it it led me to do what I'm doing today, just because it was such an event, right? I mean, here you guys come out and you're opening up for the mighty Kiss and the mighty show. And I'm trying to think how old I was when I saw the show. I was ten, I guess. Right. So. To see the, the the blood and the sounds and the lights and Peter Christ doing Beth and the the the, the Ace Fraley uh, uh, what what it's not a flaming guitar you know what I mean the the, the lit up guitar there or whatever the, you want to call it yeah the old Les Paul with a 
flames coming out. That was great. It, it was really uh, something special to see. So, uh, but we're we're, we're going to talk about that. But the band New England is still around, still kicking, still doing shows. So we've got some shows to talk about. But then we've also got this New England, the New England Archives box, volume one, five CD box set coming out from uh, Cherry. Red Records uh, out on November twenty second. So, wh- where do you want to start? Uh, do, do, should we start about the the upcoming shows, or do you want to talk about this box set? Or, well, I guess we'll keep kissing stuff for after. We'll we'll get into the fanboy stuff first. But um, all right, let, okay, let's, okay, that sounds good. Let's do let's do the shows. So, a, a few years ago, uh, you know, the band had been inactive for for many years, and you got together and you played a couple of shows. I guess they were in Connecticut or somewhere in the Northeast. Went well. You've yep. d- you've done more shows since then. We are at the beginning of October uh, 2019. What's coming up on the calendar so fans can check that out? Well, we've got uh, so every year since about 2006, we may have we may have skipped one or two, but. Um, we get together and we do our annual tour. Um, and, you know, so we've done, you know, we usually do uh, some dates in the New England area, of course. Um, and uh, we usually hit L.A. Uh, and we've actually been over to Japan, um, which was uh, which was actually amazing because the band never actually played in Japan up until uh, more recent times. So the dates that we have coming up now are uh, October 25th, we're at, the Spire Center for the Arts in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is, uh, of course, right down the street from what? Plymouth Rock? Is that what that Christopher Columbus discovered? <laughs> so, Probably. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great theater. It's a, it's a renovated church. So you've got beautiful stained glass windows, and they've changed all the pews into really comfortable seating. Uh, so the Spire Center for the Arts on the 25th of October... So if you're in the New England area, come and see us then. And then the next night we're at the uh, Bull Run Music Hall, which is in Shirley, Massachusetts. So both of these New England dates, and I say New England, the area, not the band, are sort of like opposite ends of Boston. One is south of Boston and the other one is northwest of Boston. So that gives our fan base in the area, you know, a chance to come and see the band. Uh, And then we fly out to L.A., uh, and we're going to rehearse out in LA for a few days and, um, and, and party, of course. Uh, and then, um, we're playing Grand Oaks Live, which is a beautiful venue in, um, Uplands, California. Um, and you can look up all this stuff on the internet. Um, but, uh, it'd be great to see some, uh, longtime friends and fans at all these shows. Um, uh, the band's going to be playing for about 75 minutes. We've got, you know, the rock and roll set with the full regalia kick-ass rock and roll and we're going to break it down uh and do a four or five song acoustic set in the middle of the uh in, in the middle of the show so it, it's gonna be fun man we just um it's, yeah, i'll tell you the first time we did, the first time we did this in 2006 which was after god how 25 years that we hadn't played together um we got together for like two days in our small tiny little rehearsal studio in boston and we played this gig uh, right in in downtown Boston. You know, then we, all the all the local guys were there. Stephen Tyler was there, uh, James Montgomery, the guys from the Cars. So a lot of 
a lot of celebs were in the in the crowd. And I'll tell you, for not having played in 25 years that night, we just kicked ass. It was, I was really, I was blown away by the sound I was hearing from the guys in the band. It was just so good. So it's um, you know, it's fun to get together with the guys. We just have a party. We laugh all week long. Um, so it's it's going to be a real fun fun week. It's gonna yeah. be a fun week. Oh, it's fun gonna be It's gonna be a, a great. Uh, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic, actually. Now, uh, you've also have the uh, Hirsch Gardener Project (HGP), which plays shows. I, is that something that's completely different from New England in the sense where you don't play any of the New England material, or is it really sort of a collection of your two solo albums and the New England stuff and the stuff you might have done with Vinny? What, what's What's the difference between that yeah. and New England? Okay. Well, uh, for years, like after New England broke up in 83, I actually put together a solo project and I was going to be, you know, the lead singer in the band and, and, um, and have some fun. But, you know, I was so busy doing producing back then. Um, and, you know, I guess we'll talk a little bit about Vinny, but that's when Vinny and I got together and did a bunch of stuff. But um, so I, I, I stopped doing the solo project back then. And, and for, for all that time, I, Sometimes saying to myself, man, you should really put the solo project together. So after I put out two solo albums, I decided it's time to put a band together. And I, I've been working with my buddy Joe Filoni, who's an amazing guitar player. Uh, I used him on a lot of my sessions uh, on my albums. So I just decided to put a band together and I fucked the band, play a little guitar. I've got an amazing drummer, Stephen Michael Sorum, uh, Tony Puglio on bass, uh, David Sumner is my keyboard player, and of course Joe Filoni and myself. And so we do a bunch of stuff off the solo albums. And yes, I actually do do a few New England songs um, and they sound great. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a different vibe, but it's, um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And that's what music's all about for me at this point. It's just, you know, go out and have some fun and express yourself. If the fans love it, I'm loving it. So that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and well, you know what, you're right about having fun and, and doing this for, for fun. Um, you know, every so often doing, um, well, doing these interviews and doing the shows is always a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes when a fan writes in and says a negative comment, it gets a little less uh, less fun, but generally it's great. Um, you do have those two solo albums, My Brain Needs a Holiday and a Wasteland for Broken Hearts. Um yeah. The last one came out in uh, in 2017, in August. Talk to me a little bit about those two, because they are like 14 years apart. Is that something that you want to get back to and, and start having more Hirsch albums? Or are, are you waiting to have a New England album? What In terms of new music, where are you in your head? Are you doing more Hirsch? Are you doing more New England? Are you thinking of other stuff? Yeah, great question. Uh, so, well, I, I'm writing, I, I mean, I write all the time. And, uh, you know, the 14-year period was, uh, you know, I, I put the solo album out, uh, which was um, Wasteland for Broken Hearts, uh, and that came out on uh, MTM Records in Europe and Marquis Avalon in Japan and uh, our own label here in the States, GB Music. And, um, and then I went back to producing again. So I've been, you know, just producing and I'm always in the studio, but it just keeps... It keeps coming back to me. It's just Hirsch. You're writing songs all the time. You're recording all these other people. Record some of your own stuff and put it out. So that's what ended up happening with My Brain Needs a Holiday. And uh, and since then, I'm I'm still writing. I've got uh, you know five or six songs in the can right now. So I probably will put out um, more music in the near future. 
and um, just keep writing and keep you know playing drums, singing, playing guitar and piano. Um, just because you know it's what I do, man. It's just like every day you get up and oh, what am I going to do today? So I just go down to the studio in the in the in the homestead and and record music. So um, that's what I'm doing, and I you know I just love doing it, and I'm you know still producing different projects here and there. Um, so hopefully we'll get some more music out pretty soon. Ah, oh, see, I'm looking forward to that it. now. Now, there's one thing I found out in in researching you, which I hadn't known back as a fan, and, and I don't even know if it's accurate, but it says that you are raised in Canada? You were raised in a small Canadian town? Well, not a small community. I was raised in Toronto, Canada, man. You know. Oh. I think you, you, fellow, you fellow Canuck here. Well, it's, um, it's, it's small in terms of their Stanley Cup championships. Let's just put it that way. Oh, stop it. <laughs> the greatest experience... Uh, well, the two greatest experiences I had playing in New England, um, one was um, playing at Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. Uh, and I think that that was probably the week before you saw us at the Forum in Montreal. And, man, I was in heaven because I was a Leafs fan since I was, you know, like four years old. Um, went to many, many games at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens up on Jarvis Young and um, you must have seen so and, many Stanley Cup parades from the 1969 to well now oh wait none uh, <laughs> almost none but back then <laughs> um, with you know Frank Mahovlich, Davey Keon, Johnny Bauer, uh, Punch Imlock uh, coach uh, when, I, when I played at the garden I was walking through the garden looking at all these pictures of all these incredible you know, hockey players. And then of course, when we played at Montreal, when we played the Montreal forum, there I was looking at, you know, pictures of Jacques Plante, Jean Beliveau, uh, Maurice Richard. Ken Dryden. Richard. You, you know, yeah. I, I, so, I actually lived next to Ken Dryden growing up. So, so you know, 1979 was a good year. I mean, I, I literally went to see new England and kiss at the forum. And when I drove home right by Ken Dryden's house. So, Oh, that's wild. I know, right? That's wild. But okay, so so uh, let us talk about some of this stuff here. Uh, oh, you know what? I, let's get one more plug into this New England box set because this thing, uh, folks, if you go to cherryred.co.uk, cherryred.co.uk, search up New England, The it'll come up, the New England Archives Box Volume 1, five CDs, only 21 pounds, so about $40, $41, which is a great deal for five CDs. T talk to me about this. W where does this material come from? What can people expect? Who put it together? Because um, I'm looking at it. Disc 1, Earmark Studios. The disc 2, Blizzard Tape. Disc 3, uh, yeah. Earmark <laughs> There's just a lot of great, you know, rough mix before Electric Ladyland. Uh, Intermedia mix, yeah. Target demos. I mean... This is like a bonanza. So, so ex explain the bonanza to the fans. All right. Well, it really is a a wonderful retrospective of the history of the band, and we can just start in 1978. Um, a friend of ours uh, owned a studio in Philadelphia and invited us down to do some demos. Now, at, at, in '78, we started rehearsing for the New England band in '77. And by 78, we had written, you know, like 10 or 11 songs. So we went down to Philadelphia and we recorded these songs. And a lot of these songs are just demos of what ended up being 
on the album. But of course, some of these songs, like Candy, which is the third song on the Earmark Studio track, that never ever made it to an album. But it is truly New England. Um, that's, that's actually one of my favorite songs. Uh, I Will Be There, Shoot, that was on the first album. Don't Ever Want to Lose You, of course, that was on the first album. Um, but that might actually be a different arrangement than what uh, Paul Stanley produced on our um, on our first New England album. Um, hello, Hello, Even When I'm Away Searching for Someone to Love, which was, uh, it, that one actually didn't make our first album, but it, we had it on our second uh, album. And then it goes to the Blizzard tape of New England, which is the next CD. 1978 in the New England area, we had the blizzard of 78. And um, I lived on a little 14-acre estate where I had, you know, my home. And then there was another house on the estate, which was the studio. And I knocked all the walls out of this this second home and put together, you know, we built a 30-by-30 studio. We were actually stranded in that blizzard for days. Uh, because nobody was going anywhere. We had like four to five feet of snow in the New England area. So during that time, um, you know, I had my old TAC four-track recorder, and all of those songs that are on that second disc, those were recorded during the blizzard of 78 while we were stranded in our studio. Uh, and then um, then we have some more. Uh, then we have another Earmark uh, studio CD, which is... Um, more of the same songs, but I believe that those are all like uh, secondary mixes or different mixes. Uh, then it goes to the next disc, um, which was Intermediate Studios in 1975. So after New England was actually a band called uh, Fatback back in 73. And in 74, we changed our name to Target and then Jack. I think we changed the name of the band so that club owners wouldn't know who we were and they would rehire us <laughs> because we were playing the most outrageous music and they, they just wanted to hear top 40 hit songs. And we were playing original music interspaced with, you know, our own versions of some of the, some of the hit songs of the day. Um, so anyway, so we changed the name of the band every once in a while so we could get future gigs. But um, that recording of familiar faces was something that John and I did at Intermedia Studios in downtown Boston, which was subsequently bought by the Cars. Um, it was a it was a great 24-track recording studio, and that was actually one of the very first songs that was recorded as New England, and it's never ever ever been released. Um, and it boy, I, I've heard these things, and it, they just uh, they bring back such great memories, and they sound great. Um, Disc three tells me that it's 1978 Rough Mixes Before Electric Lady. Um, the first New England album that was recorded um, with Paul Stanley as producer and Mike Stone, who was our producer engineer. Uh, so we went down to New York and recorded that album. Uh, we recorded at Electric Ladyland, which was a thrill. And so these are all demos and rough mixes that we did at the studio. Um, let's see. Then we've got bonus tracks. Now I'm reading this myself because I can't keep track of it all. Bonus tracks, Trident Studio, Rough Mixes. So the first album was completed uh, in 78, and the boys went over to England and mixed the album at Trident. So these are some rough mixes that uh, Mike Stone and Paul Stanley uh, did. And just a, just a side note, in case anybody doesn't know, 
Mike Stone was actually a second engineer on the Beatles albums. And Mike Stone is the same guy that produced Bohemian Rhapsody with Queen. And we were huge fans of, you know, Queen, uh, Mike Stone, Roy Thomas Baker, that whole sound, that English sound was something that we really, really loved. And when we had an opportunity to pick our uh, producers, Mike Stone's name came up and we just said, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's go with that. Um, so what else do we have? We got the intermediate rough mixes. So this is the second New England. Oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me take stock here. Separate delay conversation. Honey, money. Yeah. So this is the second New England album. Disc four. And these are all rough mixes that never made it to the final, uh, release. So that's an interesting listen as well. So if you've got both the, um, second album or the third album and you compare these uh you'll, you'll definitely hear some some differences uh bonus tracks it's never too late which was mixed by our friend jim boyer in new jersey and then target demos if anybody's reading from the from the list of songs i mentioned the group target which was the predecessor to new england uh so those recordings might have been done as far back as 73 and our lead vocalist at that time was Kenny Mealy and um and John and Kenny and I shared vocals uh in that uh, project so those are all those are all songs that predate New England and it's great listening to those so you can see the difference of uh or the sameness of the sound between the the polished New England records that we released and what we were doing, uh, you know, four, five, six, seven years before that. And uh, you can see how, how well the sound developed over time. Um, disc five, oh man, it just keeps going here. Uh, Angel, Back on the Streets again, which is not the Vinnie Vincent Back on the Streets. Um, Head Chopper, which is a kick-ass metal song that you're going to love. Um, Heat of the Ocean, which I believe that song ended up being a rewrite on Alcatraz's first album. Um, I don't think they called it Heat of the Ocean. That might have been... Yes, I'm What did they call that? Yes, I'm What's oh, that? It was called something else. It was called something else. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to confer with Jimmy and Gary to find out what the heck that was on the Alcatraz album, but it's pretty much the same riff. And um, just, uh, you know, Marlena, there were a couple of different versions of that, which is another song. Now, these were songs that we, we always revisited... Um, for the fourth New England album as well, which never got released. And um, so that's, that's a basic history of all of these songs that uh, was put together by um, uh, Giles Lavery. And uh, Giles is a dear friend of ours and is also managing Alcatraz now with Jimmy Waldo playing keyboards in the band. Uh, and I know Gary Shea had an awful lot to do with putting this together and all of this stuff comes from um, all of our archives. I know I had tons of tapes at home that I went through and sent off to see if they um, wanted to put stuff on it. So uh, I can't wait till it comes out and I'm going to, you know, sequester myself for a couple of hours and listen to all these tunes again. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Oh, it'll be, it'll be, it'll a be, it'll be enough. Oh, nope. you, there's a, there's an echo when there's I talk. A, there's an echo Can you hear when that? I talk. Can you hear that? I don't hear it, thank God. 
because that blows that throws me off. <laughs> it's completely throwing me it's off. Completely throwing me off. All right. Oh. Um. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. All right, so you had a chance to hear a little bit of that echo that was going on. Now, I, I didn't play the uh, the entire segment. It was about maybe 15 or 20 seconds, but I gave you just a taste of it because I just figured you had to understand or appreciate what, what was going on. And so we did a part one, we did a part two, and we did a part three. And the reason we had to split up this interview into, into these little segments is because at the end of part one, like you just heard, echo. We come back, start doing part two. Echo, hang up, do it again, part three, and then we just said, you know what, merci, bonsoir, thank you, good night, it's been a pleasure. Uh, anyway, I hope you're enjoying uh, Hirsch uh, so far, and uh, let me get right back. Here is, uh, once again, from New England, Hirsch Gardner. We are back with uh, Hirsch Gardner of New England. Uh, I know we we abruptly ended session one, but we have been having some uh, gremlins in the... Uh, in the machine this week, so say la vie, but uh, re bonjour, uh, Hirsch. How are you? How are you now? I'm good. Half an hour later, uh, <laughs> as we try to finish this. I'm but good. all right, so we were talking about the New England Archives, a box set, volume one. I have posted a link on uh, my Facebook properties, the, uh, the 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 Rock Talk site, and my site. Just follow that Great. or check that out. But I want to get to your site, hirschgardner.com. Uh, on there, ah. yes, uh, we like Hirschgardner.com. There is a part where it says, and I'm going to quote directly from the site, and then we're going to get into this. It says, a phone call from Kisses Gene Simmons would take Hirsch and fellow New Englanders, Shay and Waldo, to L.A. to work with an upcoming singer-songwriter, Vinny Cusano. The band Warrior came to be, but this was short-lived as Cusano was quickly snatched up by Kiss, assuming the name Vinny Vincent, so once more, Hirsch found himself looking for a new direction. So let, let's talk yeah. about this. So, you know, I, I was very well aware that you had done this warrior stuff and Vinny had been there. Uh, but Gene Simmons put you and Vinny together? Yeah, it was, um, you know, we, we had a pretty great relationship with the guys in KISS. And, you know, Bill O'Coin was our manager and, you know, we... You know, we knew the guys well, and we toured with them and all that. So um, not only did Gene Simmons call us, but my friend uh, Lenny Pizzi, who was the head of Epic Records, um, also contacted us the same week as Gene called and said, hey, you know, Hirsch, I, I, I know you guys broke up. Uh, you ought to contact this kid, Vinny. I know him well. He's a great singer-songwriter. Uh, maybe you guys could make something work. So, you you know, with all of that going on, we, you know, we got in touch with Vindy. He flew to Boston. We rehearsed uh, at my rehearsal studio down in Braintree that I spoke of earlier. And we just hit it off, man. I'm telling you, within three or four days, I mean, we were doing, you know, back on the streets. Boys are going to rock. I mean, uh, and they sounded amazing. And, you know, Vinny was just kicking ass. And, and you know, Jimmy and Gary and I were, you know, putting the finishing touches to what this band would be. Um, and we all decided, well, listen, if we're going to do this. Let's put it together in LA, um, which Jimmy and Gary and I said, yeah, we're, th we're there. So within, within weeks we were living in LA. 
Um, we were rehearsing at SIR Studios. Kiss was rehearsing next door to us. Paul and Gene would come in and, you know, watch us, um, you know, rehearse and listen to our stuff. Um, we got some seed money from CBS Records, did a demo, um, and um, we were just about to get signed. <laughs> and uh, Paul and Gene decided to hire Vinny for the for the band. Now, now Vinny had been co-writing and, and playing, you know, solos and doing studio work with uh, with Kiss at the same time. So that relationship had already started to grow. Um, but I'm telling you, the band Warrior, uh, and I'm a fan of Vinny's. Uh, you know, we had our trials and tribulations, as you know. But the stuff that we were doing back then was the very best stuff that I've heard Vinny do. And I've, you know, I've, I've heard the invasion stuff and I love the guys in the band, I've, you know, I've, and I respect what they did. But I just think that the direction that Warrior was going in was, was the way to go back then. And had we continued on, um, we'd have been at the same stature as Motley Crue, Rat, and all the rest of the LA bands that were coming out at the same time. But Vinny chose a different path and that was great. And he established himself as a member of KISS at that time. Um, several, uh, several months later, I, was, I moved back to Boston and Jimmy and Gary uh, stayed in LA and put Alcatraz together. And I moved back to Boston to continue on with my producing career. And um, Vinny calls me and he says, Hey, listen, man, we're, uh, you know, KISS is playing at the um, Worcester Centrum. Do you want to come out and, you know, hang out with me? So uh, this was right at the, the tail end of the tour that Vinny was on. And uh, Vinny and I got together that night. And uh, it's funny, we, were, we had our own little dressing room and we were just jamming on some of the riffs that we were playing, you know, years before when, the, when we were doing Warrior. And we just hit it off. We knew we had something going there. And Vinny said, well, listen, can I, you know, the band's going to stop playing soon, you know, get, go off tour and we're probably going to do another record. Can I come and hang out with you up in Boston? And I said, absolutely. And I had my recording studio back then. And, um, and Vinny and I started putting together a new project, which eventually became the Vinny Vincent Invasion. And once again, the stuff that we were doing back then was just, was stellar. And I think that all that stuff's been re-released um, uh, it has recently, been. Probably, it has been. Yeah. So, the, so there's, a, there's, um, you know, there's, there's a record of what we had done uh, out there, and um, you know, the stuff that we were doing was just great. I mean, remember we were down at Quincy Bay, which is right on the on the ocean, on the waterfront, and um, you know, Vinny was coming up with lyrics, and um, together we were singing "Baby O Y" in the in the in the in the car, you know, and. Um, so we were we were recording, we were putting all these tracks together. We were, uh, you know, the stuff was sounding amazing. And I'll be honest with you, Vinny, Vinny went through a change. I don't know what happened, uh, and it was it was a sad thing to see. We parted ways. Um, it was it was a little bit unpleasant. I'll be honest with you, um, but I still say the stuff that we were doing back then was some of the best stuff that I've heard Vinny do. And Vinny kept on saying, man, well, we got to get a lead singer. we got to get a lead singer. Um, have you ever heard Vinny sing stuff yeah. back then? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's versions of Back on the Streets. And, man, he was the absolute best lead singer around. And we were searching high and low for lead singers. Um, even when we were together in Warrior, we, we auditioned Robert Fleischman and 
um, Freddie Fredrickson and, uh, you know, a bunch of other guys. And nobody came close to Vinny. I mean, I love Robert. Robert's all due respect to Robert. He's got one of the greatest voices in rock. But for Vinny singing Vinny, um, man, he should have stuck with that and he should have rolled with it. He he really should have. He really should have. Oh, man. And Big mistake. And my, uh, my echo sorry, has returned. My echo has returned. My echo has returned. Oh, my, my has returned. oh so, no. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Rock Talk. Well, you, you, you certainly can't say that I don't suffer for my art. Um, maybe I should repeat that, that I don't suffer for my art, for my art, for my art. Heart, heart, heart. <laughs> oh, you got to love Echo, 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 Echo. Uh, anyway, here he is uh, once again for the final time, Hirsch Gardner. Uh, we are back with Hirsch Gardner for uh, part three. Um, that is what the... Uh, Recording gods have given us today. Now, we were talking about the warrior thing. It is also available at cherryred.co.uk. You've got the studio recordings of 1982, along with the rehearsals featuring Fergie Fredrickson. Uh, Songs include Boys Gonna Rock, Gypsy in Her Eyes, Back on the Streets, and all that. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a great little band that could have, should have, but uh, Vinny did what anybody would have done. If you're invited by Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley to come be in their band, you go. <laughs> you go, and 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 I will uh, put forth the argument, and you will probably agree that if they had said, "Hey, Hirsch, come be our our drummer," you probably would have gone. And if Gary had been invited to be the the next guitarist or the bass player, he would have gone. So, you absolutely, yeah, yeah. You you, you can't uh, you can't you know, hold a grudge for Vinny for going to join Kiss. I mean, you know, I would have gone too, quite frankly. But uh, sure. anyway, sure. Um, I'll ask you this and then we'll we'll wrap it up. But it, it comes up over and over again when discussing Vinny Vincent that it's about his songwriting and his songwriting. Kiss had him for Creatures of the Night because of the songwriting. And they, Kiss had him on the Revenge album because of the songwriting. And the Vinny Vincent invasion was great what is it about Vinny and, and his approach that just he creates these great songs? I mean, you were in a room with him. You got to see it. You did the warrior stuff. What is it about Vinny Vincent's songwriting that really is apparently a cut above the rest? Well, you know what? As, as a producer, um, and, you know, and I, and I did play that role with Vinny on the, um, you know, on the second go around that I had with him uh, just before um, the invasion started, it's the phrases that he comes up with that are truly rock and roll phrases that everybody in the world can identify with. Baby, baby, oh, why? Lick it up. Um, you, know, um, you know, back on the streets. And he puts together these you know, lyrical phrases that are just so simple but so identifiable and so relatable by so many people. Um, not to mention the fact that, that the riffs that he was coming up with, you know, on guitar um, back then were just, they were hit songs. And it's, it's that simple. Uh, it's not that simple to do that. And there's not a ton of people out there in the world that can do that. But I, but I think that's the answer to your question. I mean, they're just identifiable lyrics. They're great melodies. Um, and what the hell? He also he had a great producer at that time, <laughs> if I may say so. Yeah. Um, 
you know, because you know we did we did have a great relationship. Hirsch, what do you you know what do you think, man? What do you think, really? Should we do this? And no, you know what? Let's just let's just cut that and go right to the chorus. The chorus is where it's at. So that that's the kind of interplay that you have with an artist, where you're developing a song and making sure that arrangement is rock solid. And the arrangements that we were coming up with were were working really well. They were working really well. So I, I think that that's the answer to the question. It's pretty simple. Yeah, it worked. It worked great. Uh, let us remind the folks where we can see New England and, uh, of course, the uh, Hirsch Gardner Band. Well, New England is going to be playing at the Spire Center for the Arts um, October 25th in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is just about uh, 40 minutes south of Boston. Um, that's on October the 25th, it's a Friday night, and Saturday night we're playing at the Bull Run Music Hall, which is in Shirley, Massachusetts, which is about 40 minutes northwest of Boston. And the following week we're in Los Angeles in Upland, California, um, at Grand Oaks Live. And all of this stuff is on the Internet. Uh, certainly please come out uh, and see us play. Um, it's, you know, we'd, we'd love to see our old friends and fans. I know in the past we've had people travel from great distances. Uh, we've had people from Australia, Japan, England uh, come to see our shows, and I do know that there are people that are traveling um, worldwide to see the band on our upcoming shows. So please all join us. Uh, I just can't wait to see you all and, and rock and roll for you, which is what we do. Yeah, and that'll be great. And uh, we, we, we survived all the gremlins in the machine or the ghosts in the machine, but uh, Hirsch, uh, merci beaucoup, as we say in Montreal. Thank you so much. And we will have to do an episode focused solely on the Kiss Dynasty tour and all the crazy stories that might, must go with that. But uh, Oh, yeah. If oh, yeah. yeah, I know. I We need to do just a dynasty tour show, like half an hour of where did it start and Bill O'Coin and Paul Stanley and, and the first night and the last night and the middle nights. and Yeah, and Sean Delaney, parties at Sean's house, oh. parties at Bill's, oh. parties at Bill's place at the Olympic Towers. Oh, man, yeah, it was the good old days, huh? Rock and roll all days. Yeah, and listen, I, I saw I saw Kiss the first time that night, and, and this past August 2019, 40 years later to the day, almost, I saw them in Montreal for the last time, so nice full wow. circle, and we'll, we'll get the stories from you. And by the way, I, I must say, uh, I love David Garibaldi, the painter, but I, but I think for, for some of these dates, they should have invited you guys back out just for the, for shits and giggles and say, listen, 40 years ago, we did it together. Let's just do it again. I think it would have been cute or fun or whatever you, whatever adjective you want to put for it. Would it's fun. You know, Keith LaRue, who I'm sure you know, is a good, dead, dear friend of mine. And we, we actually talked about the same thing. And he, he also mentioned that Paul Stanley, during soundcheck, uh, always plays Don't Ever Want to Lose You because he loves the guitar riff. So um, maybe we'll do a Kiss. I think, I think I'm going to, we may do a Kiss cruise and um, not this coming, but the next one, I'm going to put in my dibs to see if we can do a Kiss cruise and then have Paul Stanley join us uh, on stage for Don't Ever Want to Lose You. Oh, that, see, that would be that would be a, a, a real good reason to go to the Kiss Cruise. Not that you really need one, but that's an added extra reason. But uh, there you go. Th- thank you, sir. Merci. There you go. Oh, okay. We, uh, we got through this. That was bizarre. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFond. Rock Talk. 